What a joyful privilege to share in their stories, yes? And, yeah. And I love the picture in so many situations where a father who is ordained by the Lord to be the spiritual head of the home to participate in the baptizing of their sons and daughters in that way. I remember well, maybe you do, of having that conviction of the Holy Spirit of being dead in my sin and needing a savior and as a young person trusting in Jesus to be my savior. And as John prayed, we want to invite any, whatever age you are, to know that the free gift of God given to us is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That we are not saved by our works, we're not saved by the good things we do and the bad things we don't. We are only saved by what has been done for us. And that is the work of Jesus through his sacrificial substitutionary death on the cross in our place. If you do not know for certain that Jesus is your savior and that you have the guarantee of eternal life in heaven, we would be privileged to have that conversation with you this morning that you would know how you can be saved. That is the good news of the gospel. I want to invite you to turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 5. And as we look at a new section in Ephesians 5 and this walking in our faith, I want to be reminded that we walk in faith because of who we are in Christ first. And so Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3, if you weren't with us, all all about who a person is in Christ. As these young people have declared their faith in Christ, here's what is true about them, and here's what's true about you if you are in Christ. In Christ, I am alive from the dead. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I am blessed abundantly, blessed with the hope of heaven, blessed with freedom from guilt, And freedom from sin, I am loved perfectly and strengthened supernaturally by the Holy Spirit that now dwells in me, and I am a minister of God. Now, it's possible that we've heard that if you've been here so many weeks, it's just kind of like repetition, maybe bordering on meaningless repetition for you. And so, it's not meaningless, this is life-changing. If you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to invite you to say the words that I have underlined. I want us to say them together. Even if you're over north or online, I want you to, if you have trusted in Christ, let's say together, I am alive, blessed, loved, strengthened, a minister. That defines life right there, friends. That is who we are in Christ. And because of what God has done for us in Christ in that way, then he says, here's how now you walk. Walk in unity. Walk in service. Walk in growing maturity. Walk in new paths. And that's what this stressor is all about. When we were dead in our sin, every day, the only thing we could ever really do was live out of that sin nature. Because we were slaves to sin. But when we were born again, we had a whole new life given to us in Christ. And we no longer had to live in the same way that we had always lived. We were given a new mind in Christ so that we could think new thoughts. And thinking new thoughts, we could put on new life. A new life that would be revealed, this Ephesians 4 said, in new words that I don't have to lie anymore or gossip or slander, that I can actually speak the truth, that I have new words, new works, and new love. Because, and this is key, because if you're God's children, he changes you. If you're not changed, the scripture says you're not an heir. Not because changing makes you an heir, but because if you are an heir, the Father will change you. And you will now walk in the light in the way that Bill taught 
last week. So we live new lives because of who we are in Christ. Unity, service, growing maturity, new words, new work, new love. And we walk in the light, not in darkness. So are you open to Ephesians chapter 5? Now we're going to look at one last from this section, new walk in. And it says in verse 15 of Ephesians 5, therefore be careful how you walk. This is the end of the section of how we walk. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me ask you a question. Who wants to be a fool? I see no takers. Really, who, who gets up and goes, I think I'll be a fool today. I want to be, what do you, I want to be a fool in my life. That's what I want to. Is it true that really no one wants to be a fool? Yeah, no one wants to be a fool. Is it also true that there are fools? Ah, how about that? No one wants to be a fool, but there are crazy people. Or have you ever been a fool? <laughs> See, if, if you tracked with me, all of us said, I don't want to be that, but I am. What's wrong with us? That's actually a pretty good question. In other words, I love this text because all of us have been the fool that none of us want to be. And the text says, so don't be foolish. I don't want to be. And it actually is going to give us a clear prescription for how not to be a fool or to say it positive, to be wise. Because don't you hope when people look back on your life that one of the things that they will say about you is they lived with wisdom. They had wisdom. That there's not a, a story of foolishness, but a story of wisdom. I know you want that, because that's what everybody wants. And yet, all of us have played the fool. So, how do we walk in wisdom? The text says first, to walk in wisdom, I must know the will of the Lord. I must know the will of the Lord. If I'm going to walk in wisdom... I must know the will of the Lord. Now, I didn't make that up. We read three verses, 15, 16, and 17. From which of those three verses, you have a Bible in front of you, many, uh, which of those three verses did I take? If you want to be wise, you have to know what the will of the Lord is. What, which of the verses? Yes, verse 17. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, this is so clear. You don't want to be a fool? No, I don't want to be a fool. Then... Know what the will of the Lord is. Because a clear path to foolishness is being ignorant or ignoring the will of the Lord. You don't want to be a fool? Then recognize this. Fools ignore God's word. And I don't know if you were thinking of this, but when I ask, have you played the fool? All of us have played the fool when we have ignored this book. And that's how I know all of us have played the fool. Because there's been times that we knew we needed to go to the scriptures, but we went somewhere else. We looked at our Bible. I know you've done this. I have. We looked at our Bible and went... And we went somewhere else. I hope, I hope one of the things you'll take away from this morning is this. That moment is a foolish trait. That's a moment where I'm headed to foolishness. When I ignore the scriptures. Not my idea. I'm not trying to push Bible reading on you. I'm saying you don't want to be the fool. But we are a fool. When we don't know what the will of the Lord is, that is the prescription. 
So I want to invite you to turn with me. In light of this truth, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2. We'll come back to Philippians, excuse me, Ephesians 5 in a moment. But turn to Proverbs chapter 2. A number of years ago, I was on a, a what you might think of a spiritual retreat, just myself, a couple days away, the elders blessed me with, and, and it was early in the morning, and I got out my Bible, and this is what I read, and I was deeply and continually impacted. My son, if you will receive my words, treasure my commandments within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. Cry for discernment. Lift your voice for understanding. Seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. Then, you see all the ifs? And did you capture all the action? It's not passive. Most of us want to be wise, but we don't become wise passively. Did you capture that? If you will receive, that's active. Treasure, that's active. Incline, lift, seek, search, all active. Wisdom is the fruit of those who reject passivity and pursue truth. Then you'll discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This does not have to be complicated, but all of us. This didn't impact me all these years ago because I went, oh, I should read my Bible? That was not new to me, but I was impacted by the Spirit of God with a new zeal, a new just bottom line. Doug, you don't want to be a fool then don't ignore this. Actively seek, search, receive it, incline your ear to hear. See, I I hope this morning you are zoned in to receive. Your ear is like inclined to go. How do I gain wisdom? Because who I am in Christ, I walk in wisdom. And it's not complicated. It starts by tomorrow. At some point in your day going, when am I going to open the scriptures with an ear inclined to hear? And a a voice lifted up, Lord, speak to me. Make me wise. I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to be a foolish spouse. I don't want to be a foolish parent. I don't want to be a foolish boss. I don't want to be a foolish employee. I don't want to be a foolish neighbor. Don't want to be the fool. And this is the key. I know you know, but I hope you're encouraged right now to not make that foolish trade, that moment where you go, I know, ah. And then you flip to something on your phone or you flip to something on the TV or you open your newspaper or you go do something else and ignore the scriptures because fools Ignore the scriptures. The wise are active in pursuing it. And they understand. And this was a hurdle for me to get over earlier in my life. They understand his commands aren't burdensome. Fools believe, ah, God, I don't really want to hear what you have to say because at every point you're like hemming me in and robbing me of my life. Maybe you've never thought that about God's word. But there was a point in my life where I thought God's word was just kind of like robbing me at every angle of that which would be good and what I really wanted. Have you ever thought, I know God's word says, but... And then you think a new thought that you think is a better thought? A more worthwhile thought? In that moment, what you're declaring, and we've all done it, is to go, ah, I think, I think that'd be burdensome. You know, we regularly have to, as a church, remind us as members here, 
that one of the things we do to serve one another in love is when one strays away in sin that we pursue them, even to the point of telling it to the church so that the church pursues. And almost every time we do that, there are those who go, is that really necessary? In other words, that's just, that's, is that, is that going to work? I don't know if it's going to work. But it's not burdensome. It's not a waste. It's wisdom. Listen, just stay with me in Proverbs chapter 2. We stopped in verse 5. Pick it up with me in 6. The Lord gives wisdom. His mouth, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield. Is a shield good or bad? Good. He's a shield to those who walk integrity, guarding, that's good, guarding the paths of justice. He preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you'll discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. Do you see? I didn't want you to miss. I underlined all the ways in which God's word, God's wisdom is not burdensome. It's good. It's protective. It preserves. It guards. It shields. Anybody have people in their life who speak perverse things? <laughs> yeah, I imagine you do. If you're living, <laughs> you probably have people in your life, whether at work or on your street, on a team, at the gym. Hey, we live in an evil culture, yes or no? Yes, we do. And the secret, can I have your eyes for a moment? The secret is not to get out of it to get in this. This is the deliverance from that which is perverse around us. And fools ignore it and get caught up in it. And the wise are in it and don't get caught up in it. It's that simple. I feel like I'm just giving you 101 here. But we need 101 because it's just easy to make it overly complicated and to think, what's the secret? You know, I can't figure this out. It's not hard. Don't ignore this. And when you receive it, receive it as shield, good, watching over, a guard, a protective. God's word builds walls in our lives, not prison walls, protective walls. God's word does build walls in our lives. I used to think it was hemming me in. By God's grace, I began to see, it. no, it's protecting me because I live in an evil time. And I need a shield. I need protection. I don't need to get out. I need to get in. He continues in verse 16, deliver you from the, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words. Now, this is not just one gender specific here. It's simply acknowledging sexual sin has always been a real deal in people's lives. And we live in a sexually saturated world. Uh, I, I always feel the weight that my boys grew up, my daughters grew up, and my grandkids are growing up in a sexually saturated world where with every phone comes a global porn shop in their pocket. Bottom line. And that's hard. And how can a young man keep his way pure? The scripture says, how can a young, keep you, a young man keep his way pure in a sexually saturated world? It says very clear, Psalm 119, by guarding it according to his word. Or maybe you learned it as a kid by hiding his word in your heart. 
I don't have a better remedy to a sexually saturated world than wisdom. Because the fool walks down the path and pays the consequences that are always far greater than they ever thought they would be. Let's not be the fools. Let's be in here, not ignore. So, nobody wants to be a fool. People want to be wise. Then don't ignore the scriptures. Wisdom knows the will of the Lord. And the text says, to walk in wisdom, I must pay close attention to my own life. Now, that might seem, well, that's selfish. No. I have to pay. This is not selfish. This is wisdom. Pay close attention to my own life. Is that verse 15, 16, or 17 in your Bible? In Ephesians 5. Sorry. You're like, I'm in Proverbs 2. Yeah. I did the same thing Thursday night, and they're like, I don't see it. Okay. Back to Ephesians 5. Is that 15, 16, or 17? 15. Pay close attention to your own life. Why? Therefore, be careful how other people walk. Now, that's what we're good at. Do you see how that person's living? What is wrong with them? See, it's so easy to pay attention to how other people are walking, and the scripture says you want to be wise, then pay attention to how you walk. It's very clear. Just observe how you walk. Jackie and I got to be up in Black Mountain where she went to school. Last week we were on vacation. We were in the mountains and we were going up to Catawba Falls. And it's one of those places where you have to cross some streams, but there's no bridge. There's just some well-strategically placed rocks. And people make a decision. Am I going to carefully walk here and roll? Walk, rock to rock to rock. And then there's always the person that looks and then just gets their feet wet and just walks right through. And I'm thinking, really? You're going to enjoy that the rest of the day? Not very wise. That's what I think. And so I try to pay close attention to how I walk instead of how they walk. Pay close attention to how you Walk. Give us three quick passages where the New Testament reinforces this idea of be careful how you walk so that you would not be unwise but as wise. First, Jesus, Matthew chapter 7. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye and behold, there's a log in your own eye. You hypocrites. Do hypocrite and wise go together? No. You hypocrite first. And that's the, such the important word here. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I mean, the picture that Jesus paints is so great. You got a speck, and you go, hey, I need some help. And this guy walks up with a log in his eye. I'll help you. You're like, no, maybe not you. Because can you see clearly to help me? No. That's such a great picture. I'll be like, no, there's first things first. Every time you fly, they tell you that. When the oxygen mask, when the oxygen mask come down, what should you do first? Put it in your mouth. First time I heard that, I was like, oh, these unchristian airlines. Sheesh. That actually makes sense. Give yourself some oxygen so that you have oxygen to help others. That's all Jesus is saying. Delta stole it from Jesus. First. He doesn't say, hey, get the log out of your own eye and then let that dude get his speck out of his eye. Because everybody's it's their own life. Don't get involved in other people's lives. Now, that's 2021. Hypocrisy is to go, I'm going to ignore my log and help your speck. Righteousness, wisdom says, I'm going to deal with this, and then I'm going to help deal with you. 
See, don't take it to our current culture that says, no, help yourself and then just ignore other people. Don't get involved in other people's junk. There's nothing more unloving than to deal with your own log and then be unwilling to help other people's specs. That's why, again, when, when one of us are in sin, we don't ignore it. We deal with ourselves first. And we're committed to help others. First, just sin in my life first. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. You want to be considered wise? Then make it abundantly clear that you take truth for yourself first, not for your spouse first or for your kids first. You know what will, will make your kids rage is to grow up in a home where you have truth unending for them and constantly ignore it yourself. The Bible calls that exasperating them. So we deal with us first. Galatians 6 follows the same idea. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, in other words, if someone is involved in sin and they're a brother in Christ, you who are spiritual, what makes you spiritual? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. See, I love this. It's not spiritual because you have everything in your life together, everything. It's spiritual because you understand what Jesus said, that you have a commitment to one another, but your commitment to one another follows the wisdom of look carefully how you walk. Address your own sin first. Learn to have victory over temptation in my own life so that it can help others who are ensnared in sin. When I'm trying to jump into other people's lives and help them out of their enslavement to sin, when I'm enslaved in sin, that's what the New Testament calls the blind leading the blind. So, all of us, and this is the beauty of this. All of us have opportunity to learn to have victory in some areas in our lives. So that then we can help others. Has there been a particular sin that for years and years and years has cut you out at the knees spiritually? It's you by God's grace, and learn to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, learn to walk in victory, then you can help others. It's actually the gift of having been tempted, but discovered through the power of the Holy Spirit, victory, so we can help others. And then <clears throat> Titus 2 gives us this picture for older women and younger women. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. See, the word of God not being dishonored is when we, growing in maturity, live as a an example for those who are coming behind us. One of the things that I love about Christian Family Chapel is that we have this beautiful wide range of age where we have a growing population who's been here for decades who are growing in the Lord and we continue to have new young families and singles become part of this body because the way God has it in, in his mind in the church is that there would be examples in this church of folks who have walked the path that the younger people are about to walk and you will not have great speeches for them. But you'll have, what? 
an example. An example. Because we've all heard the speeches. And we know this. Much more is caught than taught. What we see lived out is always much more powerful than what we hear. So, those of you my age, older, 40 and older, no, just teasing, <laughs> 57 and older, it's, it's, it's worthy to ask ourselves the question, are we setting an example? That we would want the next generation and the next two generations and pretty soon the next three generations to walk in. That's the privilege of being older and still being alive. See, it's not, oh, I want to grow old so I can like live life free and not have to go to work and do just whatever I want. Because think about that. Is that the example you want the coming generation to follow? A life where I don't have to work and I can do whatever I want. No, when they do that, you're mad at them. Aren't you? Uh Uh-huh. So we get to teach, and it's primarily by example. So wisdom, if you missed it, I can boil this down to you in two words. Wisdom knows and applies. That's the first. Wisdom understands the will of the Lord and watches carefully their own life. They know and they apply. Is it possible to know but not apply? Yes. What's that called? Hypocrisy. And hypocrisy does not go with wisdom. Wisdom knows, understands the will of the Lord and then applies it. That's all he's saying. Don't be the fool who ignores the scriptures and don't be the fool who knows the scriptures but doesn't do the scriptures. Know and apply. I hope you're asking right now, am I on the path of wisdom? The good news is, if you haven't been, you can literally start today. You can take what you're receiving today and put it into practice. Because foolishness that has been does not have to continue. Foolishness can give way to wisdom, to those who incline their ear and then apply their feet. But it doesn't stop here. There's third more. Third more? One more, third one. <laughs> to, walk in, <laughs> to walk in wisdom, I must learn. And, and you know, what verse is left? Verse 16, to walk in wisdom, I must learn to make the most of my time. I love this. Because nobody gets more time than other people in terms of each day, right? We all get the same amount of minutes in each day. But some people, it seems like, make better use of their time than others. So he says, making the most of your time. Don't be, don't be unwise, be wise. And make the most of your time because the days are evil. Now, when he says the days are evil, are the days themselves, are the days evil? No, God created each day and and then he said it's good. The day itself is not evil. When he says the days are evil, what's he saying? The, The time, the current culture that you and I are living in, and it's been, it's true now and it's been true for a long, long time. The current culture is evil. The climate in which you and I live in is not a climate that glorifies God. It's evil. Make the most of your time. How do I do that? Well, let me put the text together for us. 
said point number one from verse 17, if I'm going to be wise, I have to understand what the will of the Lord is. So if I'm going to make the most of my time, I have to understand God's will is that what happens in heaven will happen where? On earth. That's from the Lord's prayer because he only ever prayed one. So make sure you get it. That's not true. But we talk about the Lord's prayer as if like this is the one thing he ever prayed. But here's what he did pray when he said, hey, here's, let me teach you how to pray. And you, you might know this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Said it a jillion times growing up. Never thought once about it. Because you just say the Lord's Prayer. Don't think about it, just say it. And then I went, whoa, whoa, what did I just say? That what, God, what Jesus is literally praying is, I've been in heaven, I know what happens in heaven, and I'm on earth, and I see what's happening on earth. You know what I want, Father? That what happens up there, what happened down here? That's a great template by which, as a follower of God, through which God, his spirit lives in me, to live today with that clear reality. Lord, really what I want is what happens in heaven. That that happened in my home. As a husband and a father, I want to lead so that heaven happens in my home. And as elders and a pastor, Father, that what happens in heaven would happen at Christian Family Chapel. See, can you make that, can you make that work? Can you make that application in your life? That what happens in heaven would happen in your home and in your life? That what happens in heaven, that, that you would go to work with the express desire that you would bring a taste of heaven, light, to your workplace, to your classroom, to your school, and people would go, this is different. That's the Lord's will. And I can only make the most of my time when I understand today's an opportunity to a unique way for each of us in a unique place to bring heaven to earth. That's why Jesus prayed it. So I understand that's his will. But I understand. <laughs> heaven's not happening at school. Heaven's not happening at work. And heaven's not happening in a lot of homes. And heaven's not happening in a lot of churches. So it's not happening, but don't miss this. God made me righteous like him, and has done what? He's kept me here. And that's no accident. See, I, I love this when I think of, all right, making the most of my time, I know what the will of the Lord is, heaven on earth. And I know what the condition of the world is, evil. And I know what he's done in me. Made me alive, blessed me, loved me, strengthened me, and made me a minister. And... Didn't take me out, but kept me in. So, with that foundation, I make the most of my time by I'm engaging with the world. I'm not out, because I can't help if I'm out. I'm in, not of, Jesus said. I'm not like them, but I'm with them, in them. Was Jesus with them and in them? Yes. It, to the degree that religious people hated him. Jesus, he's a friend of sinners. <laughs> and he went, yes, I am. And they were criticizing for it. Engaged. But watch, as one who is being transformed by God's word. 
See, it's not just that I'm with. There's two things happening. I'm made righteous and I'm living. I'm growing in righteousness, but not in isolation. I'm not a monk who climbs a tree and disconnects. I'm growing in Christ and growing in my engagement. That's the way we make the most of our time. Jesus actually did pray something other than the Lord's Prayer, and it's even recorded. But this one was too long for us to learn, so we don't call this one the Lord's Prayer. John chapter 17 is a whole prayer, and we're like, uh, let's go with the shorter version. But in John 17, he prays, I do not ask you, he's talking to the Father, I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them, change them, how? In the truth, that's the scriptures, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. See, I, I maximize my time when I am sanctified and sent. And I live with that clarity. I'm growing in Christ and I'm engaged. So I made this little chart to help. Doesn't that help? No, that, this may or may not help. If you don't like it, it's no problem. It's not, it's not in Ephesians. I made it up. So uh, <clears throat> really, some of you, though, they go, oh, that was helpful. Others of you will pick it apart. You can, you can say there's faults to this. There are. The goal is not to prove the fault. The goal is to help us hopefully understand that two things ought to be happening in our life. That when we came to Christ, we were conformed to the world, but as we grow in Christ, we're to be transformed by God's word. So we're to be going from conformed to transformed. And that's spiritual maturity as we grow in his word. Often... The other is we get, once we get in church, we get isolated from the lost, but we see that Jesus was fully engaged with the lost. So there's, there's two things that, this, this is what helped me. It helped me go, all right, how am I growing in two distinct ways to make the most of my time? Am I being transformed and I growing engagement? Because when I'm being transformed and when I'm growing engagement, then I'm living in wisdom. But when I am being transformed by God's word, but not engaged, Jesus says, you're like a light that you put under a... A what? Yeah, a basket. Uh, some of you would grow a bushel. But who in the world has a bushel anymore? So just think, you're a light that somebody went, oh, let me put a bucket over that. When you and I are growing in God's word, but we only hang with church people, we are light, but we're light under a bucket, which serves no one. But if I am growing engagement, but not growing in transformation, then what am I? And Jesus said, your salt that's lost, it's saltiness, good for nothing. See, to be engaged but not transformed is no different than anybody else on the planet. So it helped me. To recognize early in my journey, I was growing this way, but not growing this way. And so I was salty, but in a shaker. And salt in a shaker does food zero good. Christians transformed by the word, but not engaged with the lost. That's not what Jesus prayed for. He prayed what? Sanctify them and send them. 
Can you see where you fit? See, ultimately, what I hope you'll do is you'll go, uh, where do I see myself here in terms of growing and growing? And it'll help you see whether you're in wisdom or you're salt but still on a shaker or you're on the meat but you just don't have any saltiness. The sweet spot of wisdom. Sanctified, sent. Can you see yourself? All this does, hopefully, is to help you go, here's how I can grow. So bow with me, if you would. As the Lord has, I trust, brought something to your attention, I want to invite you to receive it, just like we read in Proverbs 2, that you would receive the word. Maybe it's a word about being sanctified, growing in truth, not just knowing and understanding, but applying it. Or maybe it's a word about being sent, that you would be the salt of the earth, both salty and engaged. Take a quiet moment and say yes to the Lord. Lord, I know that it's our desire that we as a church would be bringing heaven to this community and helping parents to bring heaven to their home, spouses to their marriage. Pray that you would speak. And Lord, I just thank you that we have all that we need in you to do all that you've said because You are who you've called us to be. You are holy. You are gracious. You are the truth that we would walk in it. Would this be our prayer, that we would know you are full supply. You've given us all we need. You are all. Jesus, holy, gracious, and true. You've given us all we need. You are all you call us to be, Jesus, holy, gracious, and true. together.
friends, so good to declare that with you, so good to worship with you, glad you were here. Would we go filled with the Spirit, He's given us everything that we need to do, everything He's called us to do in the next hour, the rest of today, and the rest of this week. Oh, let's go be a light, let's go be salt that has flavor in the, next, in the coming days, and we'll see you next time. God bless.